Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Martinez. On a Thursday, February 13th, 2020, we got a packed show today. There's a lot that we need to get to. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I'm very excited for the content uh, in today's episode. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm really looking forward to today's episode. It's really excited. Got a great weekend of sports as well. We have the NBA All-Star Weekend starting tonight, or excuse me, tomorrow night, I should say. Starting tomorrow, uh, All-Star Weekend is officially underway. Uh, that's some level of fun, I guess. I mean, the All-Star game really isn't that intriguing. The festivities on All-Star Saturday night have become dulled, I guess, over the course of, I mean, of our entire lives that you can you see it so many times but like there's no hype surrounding it the pre-hype surrounding all-star weekend for me is not very high but every time when i'm watching the festivities and i'm watching the game i i have a lot of fun like i'm going to be very honest with you there's not a lot of pre-hype but as it's transpiring it is a lot of fun to watch so i will definitely be paying attention to that over the course of the weekend some NFL free agency rumors, clickbait for you. Uh, that's always going to be floating around. I believe free agency in the NFL officially opens up in March, if I'm not mistaken. But that's not going to stop anyone from creating the rumors around the most iconic player in NFL history going to the most iconic franchise in NFL history. And we'll have more for you We'll have more from that for you later on in the show. But first, starting it off today, and quite possibly the biggest news of today, February 13th, 2020, it's a Thursday, pitchers and catchers report spring training is officially underway. So that's exciting. That's always fun. And yet still, even in, even in this new year, this new decade, we're still left with the stench of the Houston Astros cheating franchise. And so today they had to face many questions and had to answer for their transgression their transgressions against the game of baseball. And they did exactly the opposite. They showed absolutely zero remorse. Zero regret and just zero care for what they've done and what they've left behind. And they issued, and I'm making air quotes here, an apology. And it just didn't it it didn't even um address what they were apologizing for. There was no true sincerity in their voice. All their speeches were prepared and written. Not by them. I mean, I'm not against people preparing a script or a speech. I mean, that'd be pretty hard if you had to improvise, you know, every speech you ever made. But someone wrote it for them, clearly, and they didn't seem very passionate about what they were reading in the first place. Some players went as far as to say, you know, we're the, we're the champs. We, we didn't cheat. We don't care. Uh, Lance McCullers. I mean, he literally could not care any less from, from his comments. He does not seem the least bit concerned 
about what they've left behind. He was a member of that the cheating dogs Astros in the 2017 World Series. And this is what's infuriating. It's, as if it weren't enough that they were already caught cheating, it was proven. It's a fact. The Astros cheated throughout the course of the 2017 Major League season. They didn't just cheat against the Yankees. They didn't just cheat against the Dodgers. They cheated against everyone all year long. And I, I'd be willing to bet that wasn't the first season they were cheating. And I'd be willing to bet even more than that, that wasn't the last season that they were cheating. But what's more infuriating than all of that is the defense of cheating. It's one thing to just cheat and get away with it, which they did. They did get away with it to their credit. They got they all got to keep their rings. It's another thing entirely to defend said cheating. And that's exactly what they did today. They issued apologies not for cheating, but they apologized that they were caught. They're sorry that they have to answer these questions. And that can be said about the franchise from from the bottom all the way to the very top. Specifically Astros owner Jim Crane. He I don't I don't understand. I would have honest and I I do mean this sincerely. I would have had slightly well no I've lost all respect for that entire franchise anyway but I would I would have respected them maybe slightly more if they just had not said anything don't insult our intelligence don't insult the intelligence of baseball fans across the country by telling us you're sorry and then giving us a smirk and a wink afterwards if you cheated and you believed in what you did you got away with it good for you let's just move on Don't insult my intelligence by issuing a fake apology. It's the most arrogant, insulting, disrespectful scene I have ever I have ever witnessed in the history of sports in my lifetime and possibly in other people's lifetimes as well. Because it was pretty disgusting today what Jim Crane said and what he didn't say. They asked him, you know, what do you think this had on the games that you played? This sign stealing. What kind of impact do you think it had on the game? And then he says this quote here. This was almost the quote of the week, but it was so much to unpack. It was, it was to unpack. It was, it was so much bigger than just the quote of the week. I wanted to get this into an actual segment here. He says, quote, Our opinion is that this didn't impact the game. As if that weren't arrogant enough to say that you were stealing signs using a camera in center field where there's absolutely no defense that a pitcher can use against that. You had the trash can banging, and then you had you switched to the buzzers, um, and then he says in that very same line of questioning, they ask him, "So you you don't think that impacts the game? You you don't think sign stealing has an impact on the game?" And this was his response, and this is a direct quote: "Quote, I didn't say it impact. I didn't say it didn't impact the game." Which he literally did say. His first quote was, "Our opinion is that this didn't impact the game." Then he had to backtrack, or maybe he just completely forgot because he was disinterested in this entire line of questioning. In the first place, he says, I never said that. I didn't say it, it didn't impact the game, which is a lie because you literally just said that exactly. So Jim Crane does not care. He's disinterested. It cost him $5 million fine, these, these quote-unquote sanctions or the punishment by the MLB. It cost him $5 million. They uh, received a revenue 
upwards of $60 million in reward for winning the 2017 World Series. So really no punishment there for Jim Crane or the Astros. Obviously, they all get to keep their they all get to keep their World Series rings, which I do not agree with. I felt like they all should have had to turn their rings in and should have been banned from the postseason for the next two seasons. The players, again, they're not showing any signs of remorse as well. Lance McCullers, Josh Reddick, they both said, look, we, we did it. We don't care. We don't care. We, we won. We won the World Series. We're champions. Other players, the faces of the franchise, quote-unquote, uh, were begrudgingly issuing apologies. Uh, specifically, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. Their apologies that they issued were a combined 90 seconds. And they answered no questions. Their apologies that they had prepared and they've had over a month to prepare were combined 90 seconds and neither of them faced questioning uh, after issuing said um, apologies, you know, for lack of a better term, because that's not really what they were. It shows just how remorseful they were. They put 90 seconds of their day combined again, less than that, really. They put 90 seconds of their day aside to fake issue an apology. We're sorry that you're upset with us. We're still the champs. We'll see you guys in October. And that's been the message that multiple Astros players have been issuing. Well, we're still we're still a great team. We would have won anyway. If that was the case, why did you need the sign stealing? If you were such a great, devastating lineup, why did you need the sign stealing camera? Why did you need the trash can? The Na- the Washington Nationals this year. I mean, they embarrassed you at home. That was supposed to be where you were impenetrable at home when you had your center field camera. You went 0-4 in the World Series this year because your lineup was so dominant. And actually, their lineup this year was improved from the one they had in 2017. They had Michael Brantley this year and Jordan Alvarez. So if your lineup was so dominant, you shouldn't have had to steal signs in the first place. And then we saw in the Wall Street Journal just a few days ago, that the kingpin of this operation was not Alex Cora. Suddenly, stories have changed. Now it's Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran was the mastermind behind this scheme. He was the one that was orchestrating things. And that may very well be true. But you're telling me one one veteran who I, in my personal memory, I, I only remember him getting one at bat in the series perhaps he had more than that but the one at bat that I remember from that series was in game six of the world series at Dodger Stadium he was the last out of the game and he struck out you're telling me that guy has more jurisdiction in the Astros locker room than AJ Hinch than Jose Altuve than Carlos Correa than George Springer than Alex Bregman than Yuli Gurriel you're telling me he just bullied all of those guys and told them, look, this is what we're doing. If you don't like it, then get out. You're telling me Carlos Beltran did all that and just moved everyone out of his way and no one had the gall to stop him or speak up? And maybe that is true. Maybe that was the case. 
Maybe Carlos Beltran just went in and punked everyone in the locker room and in the organization and said, I'm getting my damn World Series ring. This is how we're going to do it. Maybe. Okay, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll even give you the benefit of the doubt. As slimy as the Houston Astros are, I'm actually going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they were just afraid because Carlos Beltran was supposed to be a Hall of Famer. He shouldn't be now. But he was on the road to being a Hall of Famer. Maybe he just didn't have you know, the courage to speak up to a guy with, you know, a resume like that. So then why didn't you just throw him under the bus today? It would have been so easy. Carlos Beltran's not even in the league. He's been retired since that, after that 2017 World Series. He was fired from the Mets and probably is not going to get hired again. Let's be honest. He's probably not going to work in the Major League Baseball again. You could have easily have thrown him under the bus and said, yeah, this was his operation. We tried to stop him, but we couldn't. He was one man. We were many, but he was stronger than all of us. We just, we couldn't, we couldn't stand up to him. How easy would that have been? How easy would that have been? And they did exactly zero. So that tells me that's not what happened. That tells me Carlos Beltran, while maybe he was, you know, the brainchild of the operation, maybe he did come up with that idea the players were on board, which we already know that. We already know the entire organization was on board and they had no remorse and they had no second thoughts about what they were doing. And don't even begin to tell me that they had a change of heart in the World Series and said, okay, we've been cheating all year long now. Let's stop now that we're in the World Series. No one's caught us, no one's had any suspicions, but let's stop now in the World Series. I don't buy that for a second. And these are things that we've already known. We already knew the Astros were cheaters. We already knew that they were lying. We already knew that they didn't care. The reason we're bringing this up again today is because of these lousy apologies that they've thrown in our face. This is a spit in the face of Rob Manfred. This is a spit in the face of the game of baseball. And it's a spit in the face of all the fans. Not, Not Dodgers fans, not Yankees fans. Fans of the sport. The Houston Astros just spit in your face this morning. And it's just by it's just disgusting, quite honestly, to know that they got away with it. And honest and I like I said earlier, I'd have a little slight more respect for them if they just didn't even apologize to begin with. Don't fake apologize to the game of baseball because you feel like that's what's right to do. If you were sorry, if you're really, truly sorry and you felt bad about what you did, turn in your rings. Because no one, no one outside of the city of Houston is ever going to acknowledge you as champions for the rest of your career. Even if you win another one. Let's say the Astros win the World Series this year. No one is ever going to consider you a champion for the rest of your career. Turn in your rings. Turn in your rings. If you really want to prove yourself as a noble player and a good person, because Jose Altuve said, yeah, we cheated, but that doesn't make us bad people. Okay, well, if you, if you hold yourself to such a high standard, which is you know, something that Jose Altuve is not really used to, be, used to doing, is holding himself to a very high standard. If you, if you think yourself as such a great person, turn in your rings then. If you're such a dominant lineup and you have the confidence you can go get one at any given moment, turn in your rings, go win another one. Go earn one. But they won't do that because they're not sorry. 
They don't care. And they're probably going to find another way to cheat again. Moving over to the NFL where the inescapable storyline this offseason is going to be where is Tom Brady going to play in 2020? He's set to hit the open market for the first time in his NFL career uh, this spring slash summer offseason. Uh, and, and that hasn't stopped anyone from photoshopping Tom Brady's jersey on all 31 other teams outside of the New England Patriots. Because you don't have to photoshop those ones. Those are, those are on the open market. You just go on Google Images. And that's the story. Where's Tom Brady going to play? Is it the Chargers? Is it the Raiders? Is it the Titans? Because uh, Ryan Tannehill is a free agent. They could swap him for, for Tom Brady. Is it the Dolphins? Does he want to stay in the AFC East and, and stick it to Bill Belichick? Will he stay with the Patriots? That's a possibility. There's so many different outcomes. There's only like two or three teams that I say definitively are out. Are out on Tom Brady. It's the Ravens, the Chiefs and probably the Seahawks and maybe the Packers, four. Even the Saints, because we don't know where, if, where Drew Brees is going. If you're the Saints, if Drew Brees retires, what better substitute for that than Tom Brady? So I don't think, those are the four teams I would say are just completely out uh, on Tom. Is Again, the Packers, just because they're not, that would, that, it's not going to happen. The Packers, uh, the Ravens, Chiefs, Seahawks, and then the Texans as well. Uh, Deshaun Watson, so five teams, so mark it up, five teams out of 32 are out, there's a lot of teams, a lot of teams that could theoretically be in on Tom Brady, and the wildest one, because of course it is, are the Dallas Cowboys, now I'm, that's, I'm not the first one, I know you're rolling your eyes, and you're just going nuts at that notion, but again, think about it, I'm not even the first person to suggest, to suggest that, there are a lot of people talking the, about the Dallas Cowboys and Tom Brady. Why is that? Is it because it's realistic? Or because it'd be the best storyline in the NFL in maybe the past 20 years? The second part. It would just be nuts. It'd be absolutely crazy. And so it, it's the ultimate clickbait. It, it draws in the most viewers, the most eyes, the most ears. I don't think that will happen. I'm going to say that right now. I do not think Tom Brady will go to the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I don't even think he's going to leave New England. I think he's probably going to find a way to stay with the Patriots. We're just intoxicated by this idea. And I said this last season in the NFL offseason. We do this every year. We do this every single year. Is Tom Brady leaving the Patriots? Are the Patriots done? Is Bill Belichick done? Is the dynasty finally over? We do it all the time. And yet... We keep getting drawn into the cycle. The reason why it's special this year is because there's a new storyline. There's a new factor in this equation. It's the Dallas Cowboys. That's something that has not been thrown into this equation ever yet in this Tom Brady, will he, won't he saga that's been going on for 20 years now. So I don't think he'll leave the Patriots. But because I'm a clickbait master, I'm going to talk about why it sort of makes sense. Why is there smoke? And where there's smoke, there's fire. We all know that saying. But why is there smoke in the first place? Why are we even talking about this? Tom Brady, Dallas Cowboys. It sounds so crazy, so out of left field, out of this world. It's not going to happen. But when you start to look at the fine print, there's actually a lot of momentum 
for Tom Brady signing with the Dallas Cowboys. Let's look big picture, okay? And then we'll go small picture. We'll zoom in. Tom Brady is the biggest individual player brand in the game of football. He's getting chased down by Patrick Mahomes and will probably be replaced by him as the face of the league. But at this point still, Tom Brady, Tom Brady is the face of the league. Don't agree with me? He blew up Twitter and Instagram uh, by posting a black and white photo of an entry tunnel. And we went nuts for three days and it was a Hulu commercial. Okay, so if you don't think Tom Brady runs the NFL still... I point you back to just three weeks ago when we all were scampering to find out what an Instagram photo was and it was a Hulu commercial. Okay, so let's just make that clear. Tom Brady still is the biggest individual player brand in the game. Close second is Patrick Mahomes. Not there just yet. We're talking about brand, not not skill. Because I think Patrick Mahomes is better than Tom Brady. I think we've reached a point where it's safe to say that. Patrick Mahomes is better than Tom Brady right now. Will he eclipse his... Legacy at some point that remains to be seen, but right now, Tom Brady is the biggest brand. Okay, brand as a player. Who's the biggest brand as a franchise? It's the Dallas Cowboys. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Point period blank. I mean, end of story. They're valued. I mean, statistically, if this isn't even a, a stat, but they are the most valuable franchise. Not in the NFL. Not in America. But on the planet Earth, they are the most valuable. They are also, you know, I don't care what your opinion is. They are America's team. They have the largest fan fan base in the NFL. Period. They do. It's the Dallas Cowboys. You combine those two. This is LeBron to the Lakers on steroids. This is nuts. You get the biggest player brand with the biggest team brand. And you combine those in Jerry World with the most eccentric owner, maybe in sports. Quite pot forget the NFL, quite possibly in sports. I mean, this is just a freak show. It, it's, it's must-watch television. It's reality TV on a football field. And by the way, they'd be pretty good. It would be a good team. This would not just be a publicity stunt. Now let's look little picture. Let's zoom in. Why does this make so much sense? Well, you have the two biggest brands combining together. A similar LeBron, the biggest player brand in the NBA, combining with the biggest franchise brand with the Los Angeles Lakers. Got off to a rough start, and yet here we are, and the Lakers are the first seed in the West currently. It worked. The Cowboys have a good roster. We've had this discussion. This is why Jason Garrett had to go. Because the team was so good. They have Ezekiel Elliott. They have Michael Gallup. They have Amari Cooper. They have solid players on the defensive end. The best linebacking core in the game of football. Bar none. Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, Sean Lee. They have the best linebacking core in football. And they have a very formidable defensive line. Antoine Woods, Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence, etc. So on and so forth. They have players on this team. Jason Garrett is gone. We no longer have to worry about him anymore, you know, and just what Jason Garrett presents, the stench of mediocrity, that's gone. They now have a Super Bowl winning coach, and whether you think Mike McCarthy is in the upper echelon of the league and coaches, your Bill Belichick's, your Pete Carroll's, John Harbaugh's, whatever, I think at this point, 
just about anyone would be an improvement on Jason Garrett. They needed a change of culture. They got one. It was never about money with Tom Brady. He was just offered an extension by Robert Kraft not too long ago before Robert Kraft allowed him to be a free agent. He was offered a monster contract and he turned it down. Why did he do that? It was not about money. It's never been about money in Tom Brady's career at any point. It's been about his supporting cast. Say what you want about Tom Brady. You may love him. You may hate him. He is one of the greatest winners that we will ever see in sports. He is one of the greatest winners we will ever see in sports. And he will do whatever it takes to win. If that's taking a pay cut, taking a backseat to other people, he will take that pay cut to bring in supporting cast members on offense. And that was his gripe or is his gripe with New England right now. He doesn't want more money. He wants more weapons. Their number one receiver is Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman, that should be a, that is a problem. Look at the Cowboys. They have Amari Cooper. They have Michael Gallup. They have Randall Cobb. We know how much uh, Tom Brady loves the slot receivers. They have Ezekiel Elliott. They have a stout offensive line. And they have a good enough defense that might, it should be better from than what it was last year. That is for sure. They have pieces. This It makes sense from a business standpoint. It makes sense from a football standpoint. Now, here's the big elephant in the room. Who else do they have on that offense? They also have Dak Prescott. What kind of look would this give the franchise if you just bail on Dak Prescott for two years of Tom Brady? And here's why that, it just, it doesn't feel right but perhaps it's the right business decision. There are no more dynasties in football. There aren't. The Rams were supposed to be here for 5-10 years. They're supposed to be the team of the future. They went to a Super Bowl, lost, and they didn't even make the playoffs this year. And everyone wants to point to the Patriots. Well, look at their dynasty. They didn't have one. They had two over the course of 20 years. They had the first one in the early 2000s, and they won, was it 3 out of 4 or something like that? It was 20 years ago. That was almost 20 years ago. It doesn't seem like it, but it was a very long time ago. And then their last one in the mid-2010s, look, they're already dying. Tom Brady's a free agent. That's why we're talking about this in the first place. That dynasty's done. The Legion of Boom, they were supposed to be the defense of the future. That That is long since passed. Seattle is no longer a dynasty. Patriots are no longer a dynasty. I don't know if the Chiefs will be a dynasty. Maybe not, because you think they're going to face a very similar situation with Patrick Mahomes, because he's going to be the highest paid player in the history of football of all time. I mean, past or future. Do you think they're going to be able to afford uh, Tyreek Hill after that? Travis Kelsey? Their running backs already aren't very good. Damian Williams, the defense. I mean, you think they're going to be able to afford Tyron Matthew in the future? The Cowboys have everything set right now. The NFL has become a win-now league. Worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. There are no more dynasties. The Cowboys look like they're ready to strike. And sure, Dak Prescott is absolutely 110% the better option for the future. But the point is to strike while the iron's hot. 
Tom Brady's plug and play. And you don't even need him to play like vintage Tom Brady because you have so many great weapons around him. He just has to play fine. I mean, he just has to play at the level that we expect him to play. It doesn't have to be Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson and just be a, a superstar. It just has to be an improvement on Dak Prescott. And is he better than Dak Prescott right now? That's actually debatable. You can make that argument right now for Dak Prescott over Tom Brady at this moment in time. But there's also no comparison the postseason track records. Now, no, nothing against Dak Prescott. He's only been there but one or two times. But Tom Brady is, again, one of the greatest winners we've ever seen in, in sports history. I think it makes... What's so crazy about this story, Tom Brady, the Cowboys, is that it actually makes sense. This isn't just Jerry Jones being Jerry Jones. This is actually kind of a logical decision. And Tom Brady, not only may he be better than Dak Prescott, he's going to cost a whole hell of a lot less. And might, just maybe, bring you even better results. If you're Tom Brady, why do you want to go to the Raiders? What do the Raiders have to offer? They're much improved with John Gruden. They do not have the roster that the Dallas Cowboys have. They don't. Is Josh Jacobs as good as Ezekiel Elliott? No, probably not. Is any of their receivers as good as the Dallas Cowboys receivers? No, probably not. And the bitter irony about that is that the Dallas Cowboys number one receiver was the Oakland Raiders, or excuse me, the Las Vegas, or excuse me, the Vegas Raiders number one receiver. The Dolphins are rebuilding. Why would you even want to go there? You might as well just retire. The Titans don't have a receiving core like the, the, like the Cowboys do, though they are structured very similarly. Power running and then a very strong defense. But I'll also add, again, the Cowboys are the number one brand in football, in sports, and they play indoors. And they play in the NFC East, where you have the horrible Giants, and the eternally horrible Washington Redskins. And I think the Cowboys are better than the Eagles, but I picked the Eagles to win last year because they're they're better winners than the Cowboys. They know how to win games, win divisions, and get into the playoffs. They almost beat Seattle. The Eagles almost won in the playoffs last year, but you put Tom Brady on that team, that changes the culture overnight. Mike McCarthy changes that franchise as well. This isn't as crazy as you think it is. And that's, what's, that's what makes this so crazy is that this actually could happen. There is some logic behind all of this. How good will the Cowboys look by bailing on Dak Prescott? I don't know. Though if they're able to deliver a Super Bowl championship, no one's going to remember who Dak Prescott was. Now over to basketball and the All-Star Weekend, which again... The week of, the weeks leading up to the All-Star game, I do not care. Like the, I always say, I don't care about the All-Star weekend. Probably not going to watch it. And then as I end up watching it every single year, and as I'm watching it, I have a lot of fun. You can say what you want about the All-Star game and the All-Star weekend and all that stuff and how they need to fix it, which they don't. Okay, if Adam Silver's listening, you don't need to change the three-point contest. That's not why people are upset. Like We're not, not watching because, oh, the three-point line isn't deep enough and it's not true integrity like no one cares okay we don't care enough about it to riot 
for the All-Star Festival. I mean, the all, that wasn't even the All-Star game. We're talking about the All-Star festivities. That's what they, that was their big change. But I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. And, you know, you're probably going to watch it and you'll probably end up enjoying it as well. If you don't believe me, just check Twitter on Saturday night. See what's trending one, two, three. It's probably going to be three-point contest, dunk contest, and hashtag All-Star Weekend. So people still watch the All-Star game. It's probably the best All-Star Weekend. No, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's better than the MLB All-Star festivities. But because you have, I mean, you have the Home Run Derby. And that's just great. I mean, come on, it's a Home Run Derby. But I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't seen the numbers, so I don't know for a fact. I'd like to see what the ratings are. All, MLB All-Star compared to NBA All-Star. But at the very least, it's not the Pro Bowl. And it's not, what do, what do they even have in the NFL? They have like a dodgeball contest that's taped. It's not even live. It, it could be a lot worse is what I'm trying to say. So looking forward to this three-day weekend of you know festivities and games and exhibitions and all that stuff. And again, too, it's an exhibition game. It's an all-star game. We don't expect people to dive on the floor and take charges in an all-star game. It's not supposed to be intense. It's supposed to be an all-star break. Actually, first off, it's supposed to be an all-star break uh midway point in the season or sorry it's past the midway point but you get the point i'm trying to make it's a break in the action for teams to kind of reset recharge get some you know save their energy up and we're expecting these guys to play like it's game seven in the nba finals like if you if that's what you expect out of the all-star game that's kind of on you like they've and you're not paying attention because you've had over 40 games to watch to this point if you wanted to see them play hard you should have been watching over the course of the regular season. I don't know why now all of a sudden they have to play for this game because it's the one game that you watch. Like, if you think they don't play hard enough in the All-Star game, I kind of think you just don't watch enough ba- enough basketball because they play hard all year long. Like, I don't really need to see them diving on the floor Sunday night. That's just me. So, we are now going to pick... Um, winners i guess in, in all three events that's, they've also shaved down the number of events i think that's a problem i think like you can't just like sh- shove steak down people's throats when they walk to the restaurant you got to give them you know an appetizer you got to bring out their water first their drink then you bring out the salad that's it's good but not great and they build up anticipation for that steak you can't just have the entree right out of the gate you got to have an appetizer you got to set set the tone have a palate cleanser and right, there's only three events. It's the skills challenge, three-point, and the dunk contest. Like, that's your meat and potatoes right there. You're putting that right at the top of the show. They should have an, at least one or two other more events. I used to like the team shooting challenge where it would be representatives from a couple of cities across the league, and they'd have a current player from that city, so like Atlanta. Uh, they'd have Trey Young, and then they'd have an NBA Hall of Famer. So, you know, they'd have... From that city, whoever played for the Hawks from the Hall of Fame. Dominique Wilkins, right? I don't know. I'm not very familiar with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, and then they have a WNBA player from that city. And they would have to do like like a free throw, three-point, half-court type beat. So I, I wouldn't mind that. I, I They used to have that. And I liked that event, actually, because it was, it was cool to see, you know, representatives from that city. But a current player, former player, and a WNBA player. That was fantastic my idea i said it last year they should integrate the wnba all-star weekend with the nba all-star weekend uh obviously the wnba is in the off season while the nba is in season 
but it's not hard. You just get the players who were all-stars during the WNBA season and you just fly them out to wherever they're going to play or wherever the all-star game is. I mean, I'd love to see them in the three-point contest and the skills challenge. In the all-star game, why not have a co-ed game? That'd be fantastic. You want to actually... If Adam Silver talks about reinventing and reimagining the All-Star Weekend, why doesn't he actually do it? These seem, these seem like simple solutions. And yet he wants to go over the top and outthink himself and play four mini-games, which add up to four quarters. It's confusing. It's stupid. I don't like it. Just do what I say, okay? Because I know a whole lot more than Adam Silver about basketball. I would be willing to bet. Um, so we're going to... That was kind of harsh. But... I'm going to pick the winners from each of said challenges or, or games, festivities on Saturday night. First, well, first, the All-Star Weekend. Let me break it down for you. Friday, we have the Celebrity Game at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's on ESPN. That's, I, I do watch that. I do kind of enjoy it. Um, you know, it's, it, it's fun, and it makes me feel good about myself as a basketball player because I watch a lot of those celebrities play, and they are just flat-out lousy. It makes me feel pretty good about my basketball skill. Uh, the Rising Stars Challenge, that one's actually pretty competitive. If you want to see a competitive all-star event, I got some, just the thing for you. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on TNT, that's on Friday night. And then Saturday, uh, or yeah, tomorrow, Valentine's Day, all-star weekend begins. So uh, there's something to uh, look forward to for you and your betrothed. On Saturday, all-star Saturday night begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Uh yeah, and that's all one thing. They don't have specific times for each event, but we will be picking the events, obviously, in just a moment. And then Sunday, we have the 69th All-Star Game at 6 p.m. Eastern on TNT. So there you have it. Those are That's your three-day weekend schedule. You're welcome. I just gave it to you. So for in, in this order, the on All-Star Saturday night, it's going to be the Skills Challenge first, then the three-point, and then the dunk contest. Again, I think they should add events. I think they should change up the events, and I think they should integrate the WNBA with the NBA All-Star Game. That is just my opinion. I think, you know, it certainly couldn't hurt. That's all. If you really think the All-Star Game and the All-Star Weekend is as bad as you say it is, I don't think this would hurt it. I think it would be a great thing to see. Um, So, the skills challenge. Uh, Participants are... DeMontis Sabonis from the Pacers, Spencer Dinwiddie, the GOAT, the greatest basketball player in the history of basketball. He's going to be playing on Saturday night. Pascal Siakam, Bam Adebayo, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Middleton, Patrick Beverly, and Jason Tatum, all participating in the skills challenge. My money, honestly, you know, I love Spencer Dinwiddie. So He's one of my favorite players in the game of basketball, a former winner. He won in 2018. 18, I believe, was not invited back last year and then did get the invite this year. So he's technically the reigning skills challenge champion because he was not invited to defend his uh, crown last year. I mean, actually, the real reigning defending champion is Jason Tatum. He won it last year, but, you know, it's it's actually Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, My money's on Spencer just because, I mean, I, I, I like guards in this event. I mean, Jason Tatum is basically a guard himself. I know he's a small forward. He's not, he's not a center. I, I recognize that. I just like Spencer Dinwiddie. I think, I think he is suited for this challenge, for this event. And we've seen that. He's already won one. 
So I think, you know, he's going to have a very good opportunity to win a second one. And my sleeper pick for this, I'm going to, I'm planting my flag with Spencer Dinwiddie. But the one guy I'm kind of nervous about and I'm looking out for, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That is a guy who can win this event. As someone else I can see winning this outside of Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I'm picking Spencer Dinwiddie, but I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, is really you know, he has, he has a good chance of winning this event. I, I really do. So uh, moving on to the Mountain Dew three-point contest. Uh, Damian Lillard, unfortunately, will not be participating in All-Star festivities. He has a groin injury. He will be replaced by Devin Booker. Uh, good for Devin Booker. I like Devin Booker. He's a great player. He does deserve to be an All-Star. But the question is always, well, if you put Devin Booker in, who are you taking out? And then there's always long pause of silence because yeah you know it's not that we don't think Devin Booker's an all-star it's that who do we take out and I guess you could say Chris Paul at you know that would be the one guy like if Damian Lillard were healthy and I had to swap Devin Booker for one guy I would have to say Chris Paul but credit to Chris Paul he actually has the Thunder looking like a somewhat respectable franchise they were supposed to be I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league they're you know a bubble playoff team I, you know, so Chris Paul, I think, deserves to be an all-star as well. But, you know, Devin Booker, he does get his opportunity. Unfortunately, I mean, we didn't want to see it come like this, obviously. We, we didn't want to see, you know, especially Damian Lillard get hurt and then that way Devin Booker gets in. But he does get in. Uh, Damian Lillard, by the way, is also not severely hurt. He just, you know, makes the wise decision to kind of rest up a bit. But anyway, he will replace Damian Lillard in the three-point contest and in the all-star game. So, in said three-point contest, oh, excuse me, the Mountain Dew three-point contest, because everything has to be branded these days, uh, Davis Bertans from the Wizards, Devin Booker, Devontae Graham, Joe Harris, who is the reigning champion, Buddy Heald, Zach Levine, Duncan Robinson from the Heat, and Trey Young. Uh, Trey Young is probably, out of this group, maybe the best shooter, but he's a great shooter off the dribble, and these are stationary shots these are clay thompson type shots you know come off the screen catch and shoot that's why joe harris won last year he's he's clay thompson light uh, essentially and I, I love joe harris i didn't mean that as any disrespect but you know he's essentially he's essentially clay thompson uh i like him to win it this year again i think he can probably um repeat as a champion Devin booker is a former three-point champion uh, but i like joe harris's shot is so pure that's a reason why i said he's like clay thompson clay thompson is maybe the greatest three-point contest shooter of all time because this is exactly what he does he just catches and shoots stationary open shots and joe harris is is the same player archetype another guy i think is going to have a very good run at it is buddy healed he's such a streaky shooter i don't know if i can count on him to be consistent for every round like he might have the highest score for one round and then the lowest score for the next round i think devin booker will hang around probably to the finals. I just like Joe Harris. I think he's going to repeat as champion this year. That's two cha- That's two winners for the Nets. If, if both of my picks are correct, Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris, uh, you know, they got a gang of guards out there in Brooklyn. And then finally, finally, the AT&T slam dunk contest because everything has to be branded these days. Uh, those participants are Pat Connaughton from the Bucks, Aaron Gordon from the Magic, Dwight Howard, from the Los Angeles Lakers and Derek Jones from Derek Jones Jr. from the Miami Heat. I think this is going to be a very serviceable dunk contest. I think this will be good. 
this will kind of this this will serve you this will remove your hunger i guess so to say it's not going to be great it's not going to be aaron gordon zach levine which it should be because zach levine's already in the three-point contest why can't he just do the dunk contest or vice versa because you might get tired doing the three-point contest you want to have you know your lift you want to have your legs with you for the dunk contest but anyway i think this will be good i think dwight howard he's a showman i think he's gonna put on a great show for the fans i don't know if he'll win it but i think he's gonna have some fun tricks and surprises up his sleeve unfortunately obviously we're not going to get the legendary kobe to dwight lob that we were you know supposed to get and i think we were going to get it um but i think he will have a very touching nod i think in replace of that he will honor kobe maybe he'll do one of kobe's dunks from uh his dunk contest because in 1999 i believe um or maybe 97 around those years kobe's first years in the league he won the dunk contest maybe he'll copy one of his dunks that would be great to see but i do think it's going to come down to pat Connaughton and aaron gordon in the finals uh and i think aaron gordon he's kind of made his name as like you know a dunk contest aficionado i like aaron gordon to win uh the dunk contest it really doesn't matter this is the one that takes i think the least amount of like basketball because like this is the because the other ones the skills challenge obviously is dribbling passing shooting all things that you use in a game three-point shooting is especially used in today's game none of these dunks will ever make it into a real game they're all travels you know they're all using props obviously i'm not i'm not saying like they should have to use their dribbles or anything i'm not like an old man screaming but these are the least likely to ever appear in a game it takes a certain it takes something else it's different from like in-game basketball skill like you have it takes like a mastery there's there's an art to the dunk contest and dwight howard has that that mastered is he does he have the same kind of bounce as orlando dwight that remains to be seen probably not um it takes a sense of, of the show is what i'm trying to say and i think aaron gordon definitely has that he has it dwight howard has it pat Connaughton has the bounce that's why i think he'll be around longer than maybe dwight howard but i think aaron gordon he has it he has it all going right now for him he's the perfect he's mr dunk contest right now I think he'll win the dunk contest this year. So there are your NBA All-Star Weekend picks, all three of them, because I think we need more events, honestly. The, the game, Team LeBron's going to win because it, it, it's just a way better team. It just is. I, I almost don't even care about it. And it's not. A, I don't care, really care who wins that game. Um, so, yeah, Team LeBron, I guess I'll go on record, but I'm really not going to dive too far into that game. I don't know what kind of defensive schemes they're going to be throwing at teams. So, um yeah there's that so let's close out this week's show i think it's been a good one so far let's close it out real strong with the quote of the week it's been gone it was on a two-week absence it took a, a spring break and it's finally back the quote of the week here we go we get the best quote that i heard throughout the week and we put it at the end of the show we call it the quote of the week here we go quote he's my secret weapon i break him out whenever i need him frank vogel speaking on his guard, Alex Caruso. So I want to say first and foremost, when you tell someone what's your secret weapon is, it is no longer, in fact, a secret weapon. So I don't, the, Frank Vogel, I, he's, he's done a great job. I don't think people are speaking enough to the job that Frank Vogel is doing with the Los Angeles Lakers. But this comment was not, it was kind of half-baked if we're being honest. It's no longer a secret weapon if you tell people it's a secret 
weapon. So there's that. I want to get that out of the way. It's not a secret weapon anymore because you told people about it. So there's that. Number two, if this is your secret weapon, that's your secret weapon, Alex Caruso, and he's a fine player. He's become more of a meme than anything else this season. But, I mean, he, he can play. But if that's your secret weapon and that's your answer to, like, the Clippers, the Rockets, you know, that those are just teams in the West. Denver, I don't know how confident I'm going to be feeling in the Lakers going into the postseason. I mean, Alex Caruso can play, but I wouldn't categorize, categorize him in secret weapon territory. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty high honors, you know, for, for Alex Caruso. Um, and here's my problem with the Lakers. And I've said it. This isn't just coming out. The Lakers needed a guard. They needed a scoring starting point guard. They didn't get one at the trade deadline. And I also said it wouldn't be the end of the world if they didn't get one, but they probably should look into getting a starting point guard. They didn't. That's all. That was always the Lakers' weakness. Can they score from the guard position? And this is why Frank Vogel says he's my secret weapon because he's the scoring punch off the bench. But Alex Caruso, the way they use him is as you know a defender. They don't really use him for scoring off the bench. They use him to lock up guards and kind of you know give some relief defensively when he comes off of the bench. So maybe he is a secret weapon in the sense like we haven't we haven't seen that side of Alex Caruso yet, which we haven't. And maybe Frank Vogel wants to unlock him as a scorer, and he's saving those opportunities for later in the season. Uh, you know, in the postseason, obviously. And if that is the case, then yeah, I guess you could still categorize him as secret weapon because I don't know what kind of uh, what Alex Caruso offers on offense. He can knock down an occasional three, can get to the rim. He's a fine player. Can he score with the better guard, especially in the postseason? Can he score in the postseason coming off of the bench? That's what the Lakers are going to desperately need. They're going to need points, you know, coming from someone else other than LeBron, and then obviously Anthony Davis. He's going to take care of business no matter what. But can they get scoring from the backcourt? That is the question for the Los Angeles Lakers heading into the rest of the season and into the postseason. That is this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for stopping by and sticking around. I really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the festivities this weekend. I know I will. I will I'm gonna have fun watch watching, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I know I always complain it's not a big deal. And then I end up watching it and I have a good time. And I think that's the problem that the NBA has right now is that people don't talk about it, you know, beforehand because it's it's not the finals, it's not the postseason. But then when they watch it, they have a good time. And that's really all that matters. So I hope you enjoy the games this weekend or the festivities. I will talk to you next week.